Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And it's week seven of the Dream Preview NFL edition. Full house. Wise Guy Roundtable to my left. Getting a lot of love and winning some money. Brad Powers to my right. Steve Fezzik, two-time Super Contest champion. I'm R.J. Bell. All right, guys, four and one, baby. Steve, have you, I mean, let's be candid. Putting on a show. Almost was three and two, and R.J. Bell juiced it up to four and one last minute. Almost three and two. What what game are we talking about? We are talking about the exclusion of the Green Bay Packers and the inclusion of your Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, so we're going to talk about... The Packers line, because I think it's pertinent to this week's Packer line, and it's a very interesting thing. We'll tease this right now. Let's give the two picks now. So the two picks you're considering are? Green Bay, minus four and a half, hosting Oakland. All right, so you like Green Bay? I do. Trap City? (laughs) Possibly so. (laughs) Second game. Second game, Seattle, minus three, hosting Baltimore. I like Seattle. (sighs) I'm of two minds there. Showtime! Woo! First game, right? I'm going with the New York Giants minus the three. And I think if all things were equal, if we're just looking at these teams the last few weeks, this line seems fair. In fact, I would say I lean with the Giants minus three here. If it's a Giants team from what we've seen the last three, four weeks of the season, and even an Arizona team that's off a couple wins. But here's where I think we have a free roll here. And it all comes down to the Giants possibly getting a couple of key offensive players back. Number one, tight end Evan Ingram. Number two, and most important because Fez has him as one of the most valuable non-quarterbacks in the entire NFL, Saquon Barkley, the running back. Worth Fez, right? One and a half points? One and a half points. Well, just checking the practice reports here on Wednesday, both Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram, both full participants in Wednesday's practice. Everything that I'm reading, looking at the fantasy reports, looks like these guys are more probable than questionable. And I got to tell you, Fez, if Saquon Barkley's playing, Ingram's playing, the Giants should not be laying three here. I like the free roll, and I like the Giants minus three. And I think in a way you maybe reverse that handicap. I think what you should say is, and you can tell me if you agree with this, and maybe it's as clear, what you're saying is that the team that's playing is – is 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 materially better than the opponent. Yeah. Meaning the Giants are better than the Cardinals. And because they're better, you're laying three at home with the Giants. You don't have a great home field, but we're talking decimal points here. And that's it's a pure value play. Yep. I love it. The more I like this or listen, the more I this would be my favorite game. And I wouldn't even have considered it before this. So, I mean, that's a compliment. I'm telling you, this is good. I mean, this will be one of, unless something really changes, this will be one of our picks. What do you think, Steve? Yes. Now, you came in with a lean on the Giants. So, what was holding you back? 
I'm a little bit concerned about Murray and his mobility because what do we know about running quarterbacks? They're really tough to stop. And for whatever reason— So under that theory, we should be afraid to always bet against Arizona. Well, not initially in the season because Kyler Murray wasn't running that much. In fact, his first four games, he only averaged four and a half carries per game. The last two games, ten and a half carries. So because of that, I do think that Arizona's offense is more dangerous. All right, next game is my best bet. I can't lie I'm showing off here a little bit. I like nothing more than to fade a team, fade a team, fade a team, then try to guess the bottom. And that's what I'm doing with the L.A. Rams. Give me the Rams. Some of this is I feel like the bottom's probably been reached. Another Lombardi. Let's give this guy credit. He says when Gurley sits, and I don't know, what is his prospects for this? What are they saying about Gurley this way? So because to me, what Lombardi said about this is when they don't feel like they got to give him care. Like, let's assume right now this guy isn't better than the backup. He's not adding anything. At best, he's equal. In their minds, they're not thinking about the optimal play. They're thinking about, do, is this a spot to get Gurley a carry? So there's less questions. He's questionable. I'm, hope, pro- yeah. I'm hoping he doesn't play because it lets the team have a sense of relief in a way we don't got to deal with this crap. But it's a small point. Here's what I think. The Rams were what? Number three on your power ratings not that long ago, Fez. They were. In fact, I think I faded them twice since, and now they're number eight. <laughs> number eight and drop. They've, they've Precipitous drop. Yeah. So, to me, I'm thinking how much further – I mean, like, uh, who's the ninth and tenth team? Like, could they possibly be worse than – Dallas and Philadelphia. Well, first off, let's admit the following. Philly, we all got some optimism when they're healthy, though I'm st- that's starting to fade a little bit. When we talk about Green Bay, I'll explain why. But we agree right now, Philly's not a very good team. The, the team that's on the field right now. Right, because of the, all the injuries. The D-backs are so bad. Yes. And anyone that can throw, you're talking about one team handy or one issue handicaps, can you throw – you're going to do well. You're the Atlanta Falcons. You can't beat anybody else. You can beat Philadelphia. So go over in their opponent on two separate bats. It's going to be very hard to lose both. Or go over the team total on the other. Yeah, that's another way to do it, I guess. So to me, who's after that? Chicago and Buffalo. So you actually have Chicago worse. But, the, but these are all tied, basically. They're, they're, it's decimal points. It's Brad Powers' .1 differentials. They're all at the same numerical yeah, that's value. an interesting point. On a neutral field, Rams right now versus – and the, the, you're, what's the quarterback situation for the Bears coming in? Is it certainly we, Daniel? No, we don't know if it's going to be Trubisky or Daniel. Might Actually, I'd say a little bit more likely it's going to be Trubisky, although I don't have any difference in my ratings between the It doesn't two. matter to you. Okay. All right. So – I feel like this is a low point for the Rams. That's one. I could be wrong on that. That's the one I, I most question of my handicapping reasons. Number two, the Falcons are dead. This is the earliest I've ever said this, but it's the famous trademarked dream crusher. What's that? You have a dream. It gets crushed. When are you the most depressed? The game after the crushing occurs. But in life, when you have a massive disappointment, it's tough for a while, right? But 10, 12 days later, 
Enough. Let's go. Well, the Joker movie comes out. You're feeling better suddenly. <laughs> there you go. So, did you see that? No, I want to. <laughs> Jonas called me a geek for wanting to see it, though. Come on. You are a geek, but it's not for that. <laughs> Don't say that about Fez. <laughs> Our uh, announcer, as we say on the Straight Out of Vegas show. Quinn became the defensive coordinator. That is not good for longevity in a job, the job he's doing. So it's at some point, it's like this, uh, not tenure, this uh, regime, you know, this time is over. Everyone's had that. So it's not just as Quinn working hard. It's like bowl games in college. What happens when a team knows they're going to be fired or, they know that, the, like, uh, the head coach is gone, like, fro- well, Frost didn't leave, but that kind of situation. But the assistants stay. What are they doing that week? Well, you got those three weeks. You got to worry about where you're going to be living mm-hmm. next, where the kid's going to be going to school next, next job. Yeah, next job. Interviewing for possible next jobs. Your focus isn't on pre- preparing for the game, or at least a good percentage of Exactly. You're not. preparing the best you can, yeah. but you got a distraction. Yes. To me, this is probably the game, this loss that made it where it was like a realization we're not turning this thing around how they're one in five and they're letting they're letting arizona beat them (laughs) and the way they lost in the final seconds where they came from behind and maybe we're turning our season around and they and what was what was the movie north dallas 40 where they score and they go down one and then their kicker misses the extra point and the team in the locker room's just totally depressed similarities here yeah, yeah, except that was 40 years ago in a movie. But, yeah. Oh, wait. Good point. But it was on topic. It was <laughs> you know, <son>? on topic. <laughs> oh, jeez. Come on. Bananas. <laughs> Here's why, Steve. You can't act like you've got so, you're pulling a great quote when you're asking if this is the right movie. You should have said, like in Godfather 3, and then delivered it with some, a plump or a plume or something like that instead it was like uh you know maybe that one movie ah, see you see and it wasn't all that good even <laughs> if you delivered it that way. it wasn't even a good movie to, on top of it because correct me if i'm wrong that was the end of the season don't even remember so how can you quote yeah. it so it's <laughs> not even on topic yeah, well i don't know because if i remember and i i wouldn't quote if i didn't remember that's the weird thing is I think it was the end of the year, but maybe not, because it's really not how they feel in the locker room. It's how do they feel two days later. And what are you hoping for if you're Atlanta? I don't know at this point. And let's be honest, this is not a surprise to Atlanta. After week two, I believe that Quinn was already right up there as a favorite for first coach to be fired and Gruden. Oh, first off, oh, Bovard is $50 market. I don't think Atlanta's... Team. I mean, like when you're saying not a surprise, that kind of belies what we're talking about, right? Which is that there's been an emotional letdown after this game. You think they've been let down since game two? No, I think that they're aware that if things went south, that all of a sudden that Quinn's future was going to be compromised. Yeah, but you don't think they're talking in the building every day about it? Like this is their job. I mean, imagine you were at a place where when you were at Transamerica and you thought you guys were going to get bought or something. Wasn't that, like, on the tip of everyone's tongue? Yeah. Well, yeah, they don't need Bovada to tell them that. <laughs> I mean, I think coming in, 
<laughs> That'd be funny. Hey, we got something to worry about, guys. I, I think they all off season they were thinking this. Like this was the year they got to do something, and that's why Quinn Clear, in a way, he's smart. He said, "Let's reset. Let's make the assumption because if somehow they went ten and six this year, what would everyone have said? Oh, those changes are what yeah. did it. Mm-hmm. Every handicapper that sucks will <laughs> say." I, I did some backfitted analysis, and I found, I can't say what, but I found if I eliminated these two play groups in my portfolio profile, we would be 63%. Moving forward, that's all I'm going to provide. And now that I'm incorporating my special <laughs> player-specific ratings, I expect to increase my win rate by 3%. So you took what I said, completely did another version of it, so what was the point? I was emphasizing what a good point yours you would make. By you trying to get profile yeah. from doing your version of it. <laughs> it yes. So it, once again, why did you do it? I don't know. <laughs> but I think it's okay. There's no I'm not picking on you. Well, you will be because on my sheet here <laughs> and we we go in, we have to have five likes, and I see in front of me that I like Atlanta in this game, RJ, and frankly... Wait, you see in front of you, so like you forgot who you like? I I can't believe I wrote it, because, and I know why I wrote it, because I looked at my... Well, first off, let's hear that. So make your case. Because here's the thing. If you still believe in this, I can't, we can't play it. I just, I saw, I've seen your face. I don't think, I think I've talked you out of this. So what was your original thought and what's changed? My original handicap was solely based upon my power ratings, which normally I would stack up against anybody in the world, RJ. And I'm confident my Rams power ratings pretty good where I have the Rams. However, I am very disappointed in my Atlanta power rating where I have Atlanta in the NFL. I think they're the, my 25th best team, three points worse than an average team. And I got to tell you, I do not think I incorporated enough this whole so dream let's use, crusher yeah, factor. Let's use an example. Let's just kind of read who's around Atlanta. You've got Atlanta super competitive, half point or less either way with Jacksonville. And Jacksonville should be better. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you bet Jacksonville laying two and a half, or you picked them laying like effectively two and a half against the Saints at home, which means – because their home field is what? Two points. You thought they were better than the Saints. Yes. And Minshew and company completely disappointed and did not. In get one game. In that game, yes. But net-net, it's kind of absurd to think. In a way, you're effectively saying you think Atlanta's better than the Saints. And am I going to bet Atlanta it, laying points against the Saints? Of course not. Okay. <laughs> so where do you think Atlanta belongs? Because, I mean, I think t- you got Tampa worse than them. I think that's absurd. You do know Tampa was plus three at New Orleans. Yes. Now, again, that was a high point for them. And then you got the Jets. You think the Jets with Darnold are clearly worse than Atlanta? I don't know. And you're being kind. You're not even mentioning the fact that I still have Atlanta with a three-point home field advantage. And how valid is that anymore? Which is a good point because some – what were you going to say about no, I mean, if you turn on some Atlanta games here, even recently nah, this year, they big... bail on their fans. A lot of red, empty seats there. That actually helps. I mean, that is a good insight I hadn't been thinking of because I've done Atlanta, you know, actually just recently I ended that. But I love the guys down there. Um, it was just a business thing with the station and fought, you know, it is what it is. But 
they they've told me for years that Atlanta's got some, you know, fair weather fans, whereas, you know, in Green Bay, they're there no matter what, it seems like. But otherwise, if you think about the really elite home field, Seattle's really contingent on crowd enthusiasm. Saints are, and Atlanta's up there. Yes. Right? Contingent upon that. Because initially, when Atlanta was rolling, we had them at three and a half. Yeah. And those domes can, yeah. obviously, New Orleans, Minnesota, the dome is where the noise can really escalate, obviously. Well, listen, I really like the Rams. And here's the last reason. It, it Well, to put it, uh, you said you hadn't thought of the dream crusher. To me, there's two sides of that. One is, has Atlanta given up? And usually a team doesn't give up for the whole year. They give up for a game or two. And then also, the Rams have made a statement of intent. We are winning now. Why, why else do you trade for Ramsey? Yeah, right. and, and mortgage your future, giving up two first-round picks. And they have told the team, essentially, hey, we think we as the organization think we can win. Now's the time. If not now, when? If not us, who? Oh. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I can't fathom how they're going to be any good in three or four years with these contracts. And again, I don't understand all the machinations of buyouts and all that, but I know that when they had Gurley or, or, or when they had all these players not on cheap, let's say, they had these players cheap, they spent a lot of money on other players like Sue because they had it. Now they're losing those guys, and you're left with the core, but it's a, a compromised core with Gurley. So I think in general, this was a statement, not how could it be for the future? It's now. And if you say, are the Rams better for this trade? Big time. You got Ramsey on your mythical list, right? Of half points. Yeah. So (laughs) Ramsey, but pro football focus had him as the number two rated uh, cornerback behind uh, Gilmore of New England going into the year worth half a point. All right. So I'm saying this just to shine light on things. When Tunzel trade happened, left tackle Houston, what was pro football? Well, first, what was the Steve Fezzik assessment of how good Tunzel was? Half a point. Well, a little, actually, that's not true. A little less than half a point. But it was, you were saying, like, top 10 linemen in the league, right? You know, he, we, it, pro football There's focus. No, you know, no, 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 no. Pro football. Oh, hold on. I'm going to ask you simple questions. I want simple answers. Is that okay? Yes. Do, you, do you accept? Can, right. I accept. What was your Steve Fezzik's take on Tunzel? Not quite a top 10 lineman in the league. But I'm sorry, no, no, not even close to a top 10 lineman, but the potential to one day be. So, Colin was the one that no, said. No, 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 no. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Colin said top 10 for sure, maybe top five. That's what I objected to. <laughs> yeah. What Steve said, top lineman. Because how many linemen on your mythical list? Do you have your list? I do not have a lineman list. But how do you have a list of the half points then? I've got all my skill position players, my wide receivers, and my running backs. Okay. But we're talking linemen. And you just said that you, at the time, said he was almost worth a half a point. Yes. Which implies there's a list. I I do not have a list. It was an estimation. It's mythical. It's mythical. But how many would you guess on this imaginary list there are on there? Linemen. Offensive linemen? Yes. Good point. Offensive. Hmm. One a team. Okay, so that'd be about 30. And Tunzel's on there. 
he would be borderline <laughs> beyond there. I mean, this is almost like you're on trial. But you're uh, like thinking for every answer. Yeah, just Should tell, I say that. Look uh, at the, my lawyer. All you have to do is tell the truth, <laughs> yeah. and it all goes smooth. Yeah. So my point is, Pro Football Focus felt really strongly that this he wasn't near as good. Yes, Pro Football Focus. I can't recall the exact yeah. number, but he was much. It was lower. a shockingly bad. Right. Yeah. But somehow you didn't care about that then. Now you're quoting Pro Football Focus. Uh, yeah, I see. That's where it's all coming up. Uh, here, yeah. Is the circle is uh, okay? So when do you use Pro Football Focus? When it benefits my story. The best there you go. Uh, love it. Yeah. Hey, I got nothing. I more love to say. that. I got nothing more to say. That's amazing. But that, that would make yes. things so much more pleasant. Admit it. All right, so where are you laying in that? Because here's what I'm going to do out of generosity. I want this game because I do think that Ramsey statement's strong. We're going to not only give two first-rounders, we're going to pay this guy $17 million a year probably is what it's going to be. That means they, it's about now. This team has to be energized. I think he'll play, right, because he's the kind of guy like Dion. You have a Dion quote. Don't tell me about any cover two. Just tell me I got number 14 and I'll blanket him. Oh, yeah, this is straight hip hop. That was good, Steve. I mean, I, I could hear Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to play. Extra value, but either way, the team has to be energized. And you want to talk about focus, three straight losses. So to me, I love the team that's been discounted in price. You know, they're focused. They're playing a team I think is overrated. I mean, this is saying this would be nine. The Rams would be nine in L.A. It's a dome. They say that Goff, he's not bad on the road, but he is susceptible to weather. Not in, I mean, you would think Goff is, is going to be fine on the road here. I mean... I don't see anything. What do you think, Brad? They're fine in the dome in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, it was a big. I mean, it just feels like if there's any, if, if McVay is even a top seven coach, these are the times they step yeah. up. Question. Yes. Returning to the scene of the crime in Atlanta where the Rams only put up three points, extra motivation for the Rams to do well in Atlanta? What game are we talking about? Super Bowl. Oh. I mean,. These are professional athletes. Like, to some degree, there's a tendency to want to demean these players because they have such a great life. And a lot of them, not in particular anyone, not saying as a group, but a lot of them don't seem to prioritize education. So there's a sense of ah, dismissive. They just were born with the. It takes a lot to even be like a lazy NFL player, meaning. If you're in the bottom quartile of effort, all the different things they have to do is a tough job. During the regular season, now they're getting well, well, well paid. But the better players are mentally tough. And I would think if you're weak, it might be trauma, PTSD. But if you're strong, I think it's like, remember, we were this close. And really, we're not that different of a team right now. We can do this. I think if they were winning, who knows? As a losing team, it seems to serve as a reminder that they're good. Or maybe they won't think about it. Maybe it'll be after the game. They go, yeah, we did play here. Who knows? (laughs) What do you think? 
I think it's a positive. I always think it's a positive when you go back to a venue that you've been to recently, just the familiarity of it. And I think that obviously the Super Bowl is so much different than a regular season game. Maybe it's not as positive as it normally would be to return on a road trip you've just been to. Colts minus one against the Texans. Brad, you like? I like Indianapolis here. And duct tape shoe guy would say, well, I like the Colts coming off a bye, extra rest. Here's where I think the Indianapolis Colts benefit more than what the market is accounting for. Let's talk about the buy. I think Indianapolis has a good coach, Frank Reich. He's in his second year. He was a mastermind offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. But I think if you're talking to Barney at the bar or Freddie Fanny Pack and they say, hey, give me the list of the best coaches in the NFL, I don't think Frank Reich is even at the top of the – Forget top five. I don't even think he makes the top 10 for Joe Public. I think he is a top 10 coach. And with extra time to prepare, major advantage. I like the Colts here. Yeah. Again, Lombardi talks about the third down, that where he's a wizard, right, is the third down. Because when he was with the OC for the Eagles, everyone, a lot of wise guys were skeptical on the Eagles because they felt like regression to the mean on third down conversions with Wentz. And then eventually it was like, well, maybe it's Wentz. He's so good in these spots. And then as they kept going, it's like, well, it's moved to Indianapolis. So to me, if there was a time – he so last year was his first year as a head coach. Why don't we do this? McKenzie. Yes, sir. Look up uh, last year how the Colts did after the bye, and then look up the last two years in Philly how they did on offense after the bye. Let's well, see if, if we're seeing anything. All right? Because the theory is this is a playmaker. This is a guy that makes plays, right, on his little diagrams. Doesn't the buy really benefit that guy the most? Yeah, I would agree with that. Texans, Steve, I'm still thinking about us getting in. Like right now, even though Carolina's kept – that's interesting. A couple weeks ago we had Houston, lane four, hosting Carolina. It was right after – Carolina won the first game without Cam, and everyone's like, well, let's reevaluate. I felt like it went too far the other way. What would that line be right now? Houston hosting Carolina. Five and a half. So we lost the game, (laughs) and we still, in theory, were on the right side. I'm not so sure, and here's why. If there's one factor that I think you should use when handicapping how well Houston is going to do, especially their offense, it's to look at the defense they're playing and do they have a pass rush. Why is that? Well, Houston, Watson is a dynamic quarterback that loves to take deep drops and have slow developing pass plays and go deep to Will Fuller and to Hopkins, and he's tremendously effective. How effective? Well, let's look at the defenses he's played that don't have a pass rush. Atlanta, 32nd in the league in sacks. Uh, Houston hung 53 on that team. Kansas City, 25th in the league in sacks. Um, No problem for Houston, 31 points, not sacked the entire game. And against the Chargers, Houston gets 27 points, only sacked twice. By contrast, when Houston plays a team that has an effective pass rush, they struggled against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, 7th in the league. And Carolina, the aforementioned Carolina, is number one in the league in sacks. And Houston got sacked six times held to 10 points. I'd like to use the handicap on this game. Unfortunately, Indianapolis is 14th in the Hold league. on a second. Why didn't you tell us when we back <laughs> we better Houston? Because this extensive research I did, I did last night. Now listen, this is good. Very right? good. 
because it's not only the theory. He went now. I think we did a little talk before. I think Sachs accounting stat isn't really the best one. I think we're going to do uh what was it? Adjusted sack rate from the FO guys. And to me, the theory's right on. In fact, Some might say, you know, that was good. It wasn't quite good enough. But I have a soft spot for Fazek. I do. <laughs> I love it. So we've talked about Tennessee. If they can run the ball, they're good. When they can't run the ball, who knows? I love it. I Because let's be candid. You never hear this. I mean, maybe on some better handicapping shows, you're hit or miss hear this stuff. You never hear this mainstream. And... To me, oftentimes, matchups make fight. I, oftentimes, the matchups dictate so much. It's not just an A beat B, B beat C kind of thing. Love it. So, do you like the other side? Like, like, like to you, I guess, on this one, and you were going to get into it, I just wanted to spotlight the good work. So, the assessment on this game based on that handicap. Yeah. Well, because Indianapolis is 13th in the league and adjusted sack rate, well, they're above average, so that would lend me to look towards Indianapolis. And i got to tell you, I like Brad's handicap because Indianapolis is off of a bye, and he talked about, hey, the really good coach and, and how he can prep. But because Indianapolis was so injured, so many guys, T.Y. Hilton, Mack, these guys, these playmakers are really good, and they came back last week, but they were not close to 100%. Having that extra time, I think, really, really helps them along with getting back their best defender, uh, Darius Leonard, their linebacker. So there's like five or six people that were unhealthy worthy of mention. Was there any reason you mentioned T.Y. Hilton first? It's a running joke, RJ. Women weaken legs. RJ thinks that um, they Who are you explaining The number to? one, I overvalue T.Y. Hilton. I've always talked about, oh, yeah, RJ, stop, you need stop, to stop, have T.Y. Hilton or you can't bet Indy. What do you think? We're doing some new national feed that the <laughs> listeners are new? We're getting new <laughs> listeners every week, but it's like, you don't need to explain. We don't explain here, Steve. That's, we explain handicapping concepts. If you don't get the pop culture stuff, do some research. So what's her conclusion? Are you pressing the green button on Brad? You like what? What are you thinking? You actually lean Indy. Yeah, I lean Indy. I agree with Brad. All right, I but, like but it. But not what kept you off. It was more. Well, I don't want to say because it's a duct tape shoe situation. Well, go ahead. Uh, the old playoff revenge for. Yeah, <sighs> hasn't the I mean. Mm-hmm. Hasn't Houston lost to everyone in the AFC in the playoffs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, but it was last year. Here's what I think. I'm going to give a like on this. And I actually am thinking of including this as like the fifth pick. Here's why. I always ask myself. Super contest, I was saying. Here, I always ask myself this. If a team is surging, your default is always they're going to. I'm, I'm kind of interested why we're not hearing the old, well, everyone's loving Houston now. So they're going to drop off. They're going to, they're going to be a little fat and happy. Wouldn't this be the perfect time? You just beat the Kansas City? Yeah. Why, why didn't we hear that? Because it went against, I mean, like, I'm not hearing that. Well, you could make the case. Indy just beat the Kansas City also but in they their had last a, game. But they had a yeah. bye. Right, right. So my, yeah, that's an interesting point. Right? <laughs> it, to me, I think Houston, we do Houston radio a good bet. And Brad, you 
agree with me that they are they are belly aching about the coach all the time. All of, for a team that's in the playoffs regularly, are you you compare them to a fan base like from Cleveland or Detroit or teams that, that don't regularly make the playoffs? It seems like I mean they're very negative for a team that's and had I think, success. I think there's some merit too. Yeah, uh, there's also probably too much. Yeah, to me this feels like a flat spot. Is I know it's a divi- I know all that, but it's like they're, they're just so fat and happy. Or at least they could be. They've had so much. I mean, I just want. It feels like the Colts need this game more. I mean, right now, Houston to win the division is pretty strong, wouldn't you say? Yes. And this is on the road. Are they favored against. Are they. I don't have the division odds in front of me. Well, who wouldn't. I mean, who would be competitive? Would they be, uh, yeah, it's true. Jacksonville's fall, free falling down to it's two and be four. Houston. It's got to be. Look, well, why don't we look it up? Because to me. Houston minus one twenty to win the AFC South. And what else is it? What's who's number two? Colts plus one eighty five. Okay. Yeah, minus one twenty plus one sixty five. And I guess the, I mean, I guess the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm thinking that maybe I'm stretching it a little bit. It does feel maybe I'm giving Houston too much credit because looking at the odds, it's. Right now, Houston's a small mi- minus money favor in the 120 range, and the Colts are plus 180. So that's a clear difference, but it's not that. I mean, if the Colts win this game, Houston, I, I bet, I mean, what, would it be even money from there, Faz? Yeah, I think so. So maybe I'm stretching it that Houston's a little flat, but maybe they're not flat. Maybe they are a little full of themselves. That's a different thing. And I'm not sure. I mean, I know, I don't, I trust Watson to be able to handle success. But the rest of these guys, I don't know. Mm. And the coach, I don't know. Let's just say it could be an advantage to us, but I don't think I need it to like the Colts. I think it's about the buy and this buy meaning more to the Colts than it typically does to typical teams. Closing thoughts. Nope. Did you want those bye week numbers? Uh, oh, perfect time for it. McKenzie coming in. Hit us. So Frank Reich offenses the last three years after a bye, 29.6 points per game. Okay, so do you have the results of the three? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, they won last year, 29 points versus Jacksonville. And wh- how many did Jacksonville have? And the reason I'm asking is if they won 29-3, I think that's a heck of a performance. If it was 29-27, they were trying to score all 29-26. The- Ooh. Okay, so that does that that is feels like it's on normal pace for them. I don't know what they're average, but what were they averaging twenty six last year? Okay, go ahead. Next game. Uh, the Eagles. He's with the Eagles in twenty seventeen. They killed the Cowboys at in Dallas thirty seven to nine. Now that's impressive. So I'm guessing by my SAT skills that the next one's going to be in the low twenties. Very good, RJ. <laughs> uh, they were in Detroit. They they lost twenty three twenty four. Hmm. I'm not. I mean, I'm. I'm a smidge impressed, but not as much as I thought I would be. Yeah, I agree. I'm coming off the Colts a little as we're talking. All right, next game. <laughs> oh, Fuzzy Wazzy with a pick. The Bills favored by 17 against the Dolphins. Bar the duck takes you guy. Fezzik says take the points. Yeah, I like Miami. Now I get it. Miami is the worst team I've ever had in my power ratings. 15 and a half points worse than an average team. How bad is Miami? Well, I've got them six points worse than the Washington Redskins, the second worst team in my power ratings. 
But having said all that, and as bad as I have Miami, and I'll be the first to say, hey, I had Miami against the Chargers, and that did not play out well. Buffalo laying 17. You know what my gut just says? You know, Buffalo, really good defense, challenged to score. It just looks – it doesn't pass the logic test. How is Buffalo going to so get what, that separation? What is your power rating saying? That's the interesting thing. The power ratings actually make this game 20 and a half. Even with you adjusting for the fourth quarter? Without me adjusting for the fourth oh, quarter. Oh, well, I don't so. – then it's not what you think the – what does the power ratings say? Take the time to calculate. Right, so the power ratings would say – Oh, this would be a good – actually, it's a good chance – to have you walk through how you would do this. Right. So the the raw number says 20 and a half. So what does that say? Five and a quarter points that Buffalo should be favored, normalized across the game per quarter. Okay. So Buffalo is supposed to win each quarter by five and a quarter. At the end of the third quarter, both teams playing hard. That gets us to minus 15.75. But the fourth quarter line should not be five and a quarter at that point because when a team is ahead by 16 points, then the line on the fourth quarter should be pick them because of that situation. Now, we don't know for sure who's going to be winning, but projections say that's about the range that Buffalo should be up. So how do you adjust for the fact they're not always going to be up that much? Well, there's times they're going to be up more. There's times they're going to be up less. Exactly. In the times that they're up less, they'd be laying more in the fourth. Right. So how do you blend it? I don't blend it because I assume that one-third of the time they'll be up less, one-third of the time they'll be up around 15, one-third they'll be up more, and then they'll net out. But but hold on. Correct me if I'm wrong here, and we've never discussed this level of detail, so actually I feel like I'm going to be wrong, but I don't see how. If they're up more, let's say that the Bills are up 30, isn't the line still going to be pick them? No, Miami be favored then. Which Okay, so that's saying – well, let, let's think about this. So you're saying Miami would be favored in some cases. Miami would be even in some cases. And sometimes the bills are going to be five and a half. Okay. Or, or in that five and a quarter. So what we're saying, though, is that's interesting. If it was, let's say, tied, what would the line be in the fourth? Buffalo would be minus six and a half with some extra vague. Okay, so they're saying it's the better team, the game's on the line, so it's a, a high-leverage situation for this team, so they're, they're going to exert their dominance even more. Exactly. So we're saying the differences in that distribution are small enough that you can just say, that's interesting. I hadn't thought that through like that. You, you're saying since they'd be up that normal five and a half, in a lot of cases, sometimes even because if they're up seven, it's probably close to the five and a half. Right? Yeah, well, you know, I would say if they're up seven, Buffalo's probably going to be laying six and a quarter then in the fourth quarter. Oh, see, that seems like too much. Well, I guess it's still one score. Okay. Yeah. It's really about how motivated, effectively, it's how motivated the Bills are in the fourth quarter. Exactly. And the score tells you that. Right. And thus, the, the most likely outcome, the tip of the bell curve, is going to be closer to 17, right? It's going to be 15 times, like you said, 15 point. Seven five. Mm-hmm. Thus, we accept that sometimes it's going to be less, sometimes it's going to be more, but we assume the fourth quarter has a pick them. Yes. And that's the line's right. Yes. Or if anything, your, your power ratings are saying there's value on Miami. Yeah, a little bit of value. So why would you give us the 20 number that isn't pertinent? Be- because it's been so uh, uncommon. I know we've had a few 20-point spreads earlier in the year, but we haven't had that many of them. And frankly, 
Yeah, but anytime it's above yeah. seven, you do this, right? Yeah, but it, it only becomes significant when you get to 14 because it's like the, the, the adjustments you make above seven are so minuscule that they're small. But just you wrote I'm, – I'm just trying to understand, Fazek. You wrote down a number that you know was wrong. You quoted the number you know, knew was wrong because there hasn't been many instances of this this year, but there's been more this year than we've ever seen. Yes, that's true. But even if there's only one a year, why wouldn't you just write the right number down? Because amazingly this year, it's the weirdest year ever, RJ, where when I've been doing these numbers – Without doing the normalization, I've been matching the point spreads on a lot of well, these twenty-point favorites. But if your goal is to match the point spread, you might right. as well Fair pack up and go home. Fair enough. So yes. that means you would have liked the the fate or the. Let's think. It would have been less. So you would have liked the dog. And I would have liked the dogs. Yeah. So that's an opinion. I mean, the fact that the dogs maybe are inflated isn't shocking, is it? When you especially no. when we have all these horrible teams. Yes. But you said no. I'd rather be close to the mm. number. Does that make you should you should always normalize the spread down when your mathematics ha- have it. Whatever your system into double is, digits. Whatever you your to. system is, you should do it. You have to. Okay, then why didn't yeah. you? But listen, no, there's no problem with it. If you gave that information to hundreds of thousands of people, I'm not saying necessarily I should have any upset over that. I'm just trying to understand you as a person, your soul, and what it is you're trying to convey. <laughs> I mean, it just seems crazy. So. All joking aside, let's agree that you do it the way you think is bad. I mean, I'm not even sure how you – so really what you're saying, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this, is you were saying by not doing what I know is right, which is one of the premises of me literally having a mansion and a yacht, they agree with the market. Now, by definition, my job is to disagree with the market when correct. And if I would do my adjustment, I'd correct – or. I would disagree with the market. And historically, when I disagree with the market with this adjustment, I am correct enough to have a mansion and yacht. Thus, I shouldn't do it this time. Lines, Vikings, Vikings on the road, minus one. A team Fez was high on, lost against the Bears. Then had no interest in the next two weeks. RJ winner, RJ winner. Where are you at with this, Fez? Uh, market timing's everything. So. Um, you know, one thing, certainly Kirk Cousins, you tend to trust him more in favorable scheduling spots than when he's in hostile environments. So we've done some work on that. What do you consider favorable? Or are you just referencing our work that you didn't really take part in? Well, I don't want to steal your thunder. Why don't you go ahead? No, go, go ahead. No, no, no. Go Go ahead. ahead. You know, since McKenzie was so good. McKenzie, you know, this was my idea, but McKenzie, well, actually, let's give some credit. Jonas had the original mm-hmm. idea. I thought about how to execute it, and uh, McKenzie executed it. So why don't you present, Mr. Rivers? Well, we looked at uh, Kirk Cousins in different time slots. In the 1 p.m. time slot, he's 31 and 16 against the spread with a push. Any other time of the day, he's 10 and 20 against the spread. Not good? Good. <laughs> so the theory is something's wrong. Something changes for Cousins. This doesn't feel random. The speculation in the media has been the big games. The lights are bright. Maybe. But I started digging in. I didn't finish it. I have to do it for next week. But my sense was there's obviously going to be some non-1 o'clock games that aren't super competitive. Spread-wise coming in, so it wouldn't be a big game. And then there's... Going to be this, you know, one o'clock games that are big, like last week, right? Yep. Minnesota, mm-hmm. 
And that game, that was a big game against Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. one of the biggest games of the week. So he did pretty well. So the numbers tell us it's more about start time, which would point to Minnesota. Absolutely. So and what? So are you like going to give us your pick at any point? Well, my pick, my pick is a derivative. <laughs> well, I, I mean, but if you look at it, RJ, when a quarterback's covering two thirds of the time when he starts at one o'clock Eastern, and one third of the time when he doesn't, obviously, I don't want to go against that. However, this year you Kirk, can't you can't skip that. There's an advantage teaser. Thus, here we go. That's right. And so when I see a spread around pick'em and then it pops up to one, see, what's the difference between pick and one? Most bears would say, oh, that difference doesn't mean anything. It's so unlikely a team's going to win by one. But when you're in advantage. Which is true when it comes to the spread. That's right. But when it comes to teaser playing, the difference between pick and one and one and a half can be enormous because now I can tease a team from plus one up to plus seven and a half. And because of that, Oh, whoa, whoa, seven and a half. How does that work? You you play a six and a half point teaser instead okay. of a six point. So teaser. how much extra juice is there? An extra ten cents. So what? So you'd say in general, most people are going to lay one thirty on that. That's right. Six and a half point te- teaser. Best practices lay minus one thirty at most books. Correct. Now what gets a little frustrating is you can line shop on sides, but if you play a teaser, you got to play it both at the th- same shop. But in a case like this, where the other side is cleaner, charges going to eight, giving it away is do you maybe just go around shopping for a one and a half? Yes. If you can find that one and a half, obviously that's a lot more advantageous. Well, obviously what I'm saying is like how much, because it doesn't seem like I ever see things painted one. I often see pick them. I'll see one and a half. I mean, Right now, I bet there's one and a half out there, right? No, there aren't yet. But because this line was picked. Because you're really saying this line is more towards like 0.7. Right. And you're just guessing you can get a one. And I, I get it. If the true line, if the market line is pick them, you're paying a dime to get it up to seven and a half, you know, 10 cents to get it up to seven and a half. In a way, you're moving at seven and a half points because you're shopping for the one mm-hmm. so that it's only worth playing. But if the market is one, you got to find a one and a half. In the, but the market's not one. You're saying the market's below one. The market's like 0. 0.9 on this right now. And, but there's no one and a half. So almost Nothing. everyone's at one, but there's no one and a half. I've no. never seen that before. I mean, like, literally, you're telling me there's 30 books all at one. Yes. All right. Take a gander. <laughs> what is I mean, have you have you seen that? No, there should be a one and a half. That's what I'm that. saying. In fact, I'll put, I'm going to. Uh-oh, uh-oh. $100 says you can't find a one and a half. Well, for, no, there's got to be a caveat to the bet. Is 0.9 means nine out of the ten's got to be one. So if more than 10% are pick them, the bet's invalid. Okay. Yeah. I'm protecting your butt here, All right. Brad. Thank well, you. Good call. Well, not for you. <laughs> All right. Brad's putting the money on the table. Fez is going to attempt to. consensus is one and a half. Say it again. The consensus at pregame is one and a half. It's oh, half okay. Well, let's let. Oh, no, hold on. Let's let. Let's let. Have you got the number? What do we got? So, what are the numbers? So, a hundred dollars has just been thrown to Brad. Now, what's going on? The money came in from Minnesota well, during then, the podcast. Well, but hold on, I don't. So there's, it's all one abs, and there's even a two now. But that's not. You don't pay that. Get, Brad was handing it back even before I said it. You're a class actor. We were betting a different bet. Yes. So, but what I was saying is, so the. So the Vikings are like so money came in on the Vikings, obviously. 
Yes. Okay. So, but what I was saying is that I never just see all the same number. And I, you know, you wouldn't think that one and a half is a key number. Now, do the books, you know how they do around, I guess, around what? Eight and a half or uh, no, nine. They try to get the get it to nine and they mess with the VIG, right? That's a great point. So teaser protection. A lot of books, when the spread is eight or eight and a half, they tend to deal minus nine plus 105. They call that teaser protection because they don't want people to tease down from eight and eight and a half to two to two and a half. But they don't do that typically when, when the spread is one. They'll be perfectly happy to go from one to one and a half. Except it's more advantageous to go take the dog up. So they're afraid of the public doing it and it being too obvious. Yes. Okay. That's fascinating. Now, do you think any books are going to be more stubborn moving from one to one and a half, where the typical money would say move it, but the friction's higher? Because at one and a half, they open themselves up to the team. I would be more stubborn. I, but, dude, but, if everyone was like you, I'd pack up and go home. Even the, <laughs> yeah. even the dastardly bookies. me over. Yeah, even the <laughs> dastardly bookies aren't like you. You're the one that drives the bookies crazy. That's, that's interesting. So, does the money on Minnesota following your Kirk Cousins research. the Kirk Cousins research does that make it? I'm not like I'm not going to say like Brad that I'm moving the line or something. <laughs> I mean, I did get that Cantor line taken off. I mean, the Cantor prop gone within a game. <laughs> let's be honest. I'm, I'm changing the the landscape. Well, of a very illiquid prop, we'll say. Was that the Eli Manning prop? Well, that one got took down, yeah, taken down yeah. too. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess you know you're doing pretty well when, yeah. when your bets. You better hurry up; they'll be taking this <laughs> off the board. <laughs> and again, you're liquid, oh. but we were on it. That Manning prop looks sweet now, doesn't it? Yeah, under <laughs> under eighteen touchdown passes, under eight touchdown passes, <laughs> it all looks sweet. I'd probably take a fire on over eight. Really? Yeah, just injury. Mm-hmm. He runs a lot, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not an even money. What do you think of this now? Any reevaluation? I mean, I guess here's the thing. You gave the teaser. It's nothing to do with the game. You're just doing an advantage. Well, and I do think it's a bigger advantage than a normal teaser because we, we talked last week about a team, Cleveland, that's had high volatility. I can make the case that with forever reason, the Detroit Lions have had the least volatility in all their games. Here's a Lion team that's played five games. All five games have been decided in the final seconds. All of them very close games decided by four or fewer points. But wouldn't the volatility be around the point spread? Well, most of their point spreads have been close to pick them as well. So it would be about the spread, though, right? Mm. Yeah, if someone yeah. wins by 17 or someone's favorite, if Buffalo has a game at the buzzer, that's low. That's not low volatility. Fair enough. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's about the spread. Yes. Okay. But still, it sounds like in this case, but does one game, I mean, does one game really, or one season of five games or whatever really mean anything in that regard? Well, it's it's a free roll. It can't hurt that they've yeah, been landing close to But if you mention it even, I, I'm going to look up. Brad, why don't you give your handicap and then you can get on this game and you can look up um, last year's lines and look what the ATS margin was. Well, what I find interesting now, I think we have a clear context clue on the money that we couldn't explain the line last week between Green Bay and Detroit. The fact that money is coming in against Detroit in this game with Minnesota, now that tells me all that money we saw on Detroit last week wasn't necessarily a play on the Lions 
that's to me the, the clarity that we're getting from the Lions here. First off, a very interesting point. I mostly agree with it. What I would say is that it's rare that the syndicates who are going to move the line, not even move it, but keep a line somewhere, cause a line to be somewhere, because sometimes it's in the move, sometimes it's the bookies catch wind of. You know, this is a part of it I don't fully understand yet. And there's not, you know, they say it's a rare thing to really understand. Might be something with Maddie. You know, I was reaching out. Maddie's got the G2E like Fez had, and he, this week's been tough. But I'm going to ask him about that because the thing that really flummoxed me about Green Bay last week, and we've been talking about this on Straight Out of Vegas a bunch. This is new here. That Packers line just didn't make sense. It was like three and a half to Detroit. That means Detroit's better because Packers have four-point home field. What the hell? They like Detroit that much? Like you said, I think what showed us at first, I know, was the line in Green Bay this week because it's even crazier. It, yep. it makes less sense to me. And we'll talk. it's one of Fezzik's potential two games. Now that we see money coming the other way, yeah, could a syndicate like be pro Detroit one week and con the next? Yeah, but usually when they make such big bets, it's not situational. What I've seen, Faz, and you have as much if not more experience with this, when the syndicates take a, the, their biggest stand, it's a bet on, on or off a team more than a situation. That they just fundamentally think everyone's got this team wrong. Yes. is that Would you agree with that? I, I agree with that, and oftentimes you just keep seeing it for a period of about five or six games until the market finally corrects that team. And we've seen it where it's worked or hasn't. The Browns in years past, they've just been on them every week when they went you know, 115 0 and 16. Atlanta had that kind of money for a long time, where they were laying two and a half on road in spots that you would think they should have been my, plus three. It just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Got to be scared of that. And we've said this again on SOV, which I think has been really good, guys. So if you're even tempted, you can listen to it live, 6 o'clock Eastern, 200 stations. Also, iHeartRadio app, FoxSportsRadio.com, Sirius, slash XM, and podcast. Search for RJ Bell. Also, you can obviously subscribe here. So it would have, I think it'd be unusual if they were for Detroit and against them now. But I think you add up how unusual that Green Bay Great line point. was. I think a conclusion is the, the biggest batters in the world are not. They haven't fallen in love with the Smith brothers like Fez. <laughs> I mean, it was like love at first sight. Yeah. I heard people call it Lafleur coach of the year. No. Except really has Green Bay, they, they won the game, right? Like they did. And – so right now, if you look at the Super Bowl odds, Green Bay is like the fourth favorite, aren't they? That's that's correct. So the wise guys are one way. <laughs> and Fez, uh, oh, wait, yeah. we got another game. Oh, we'll get to that yeah. in a second. So, Brad, what were your closing? Or you gave was, us a great insight about the money's going against Minnesota. I'm, I'm leaning towards Minnesota. Or for Minnesota, I'm sorry. Yeah, leaning towards Minnesota here. And to me, it's the locker room. There was at least perceived issues, or at least it was out there in the public. Stefan Diggs, problems with Kirk Cousins. I think there's a lot of harmony in that locker room, at least after the last performance, where Stefan Diggs, 
goes for 150-plus receiving yards and three touchdowns. No Vikings wide receiver has done that since Randy Moss nearly 20 years ago. I think there's a, just a little bit better energy in that locker room for the Vikings. You know, and that's a great point because the week before, remember, both the wide receivers were upset. So the week before, it was yeah, Thielen that had the big game, and Diggs only had about 40 yards, and now he got Diggs involved. Great point. Not to brag, Steve, but you've been present, I guess, when we're texting on Friday night, and I've been making these, ins- it's it's interesting, you give me your list, Maddie gives me his list, I'm looking at mine, and I, you know, you guys have trusted me to make the final decision, and I'll sometimes ask you why you didn't play this game, or why you like this team, have you noticed, just with the rapid fire clarity that I've been replying, like, I asked you why you didn't like Minnesota, in the Giants game. Do you remember what you said? Worried about this uh, whole Diggs and Cousins chemistry issue. And how did I respond? Bullshit. <laughs> I <laughs> said, but within 10 seconds ago, if that's your only concern, I'm betting Zimmer. Yeah. Who, Zimmer is the winging, uh, best ATS coach yep. since he's coming into the league. Yep, since 2014, about 65% against the spread. Every game, every situation. So I figure he'll be able to handle that. And then we had it. What was the other game? I had it in my head and it's blocked where, oh, the Steelers. I said, you wanted to, who was the crappy team you wanted to play instead of Pittsburgh? Oh, oh Green, Green Bay. Bay. <laughs> We're still trying to get Green Bay in. <laughs> and I said, you really, you really want to bet against this? Because even we had a bad number at that point. And you worship at the altar of closing line value. But somehow you were going to still, I don't know if we've gotten this far into this song. This is interesting is you still wanted to play Green Bay. You told me not to be a slave to the whole line value issue. But, um, you know, what was interesting about that is I know you know your Pittsburgh Steelers. And I almost put the Steelers on my list, and I didn't. I only gave you six games. Normally I give you more. The second you went ahead and said, you know, why why are we looking at Pittsburgh here? And immediately I was on board. But you originated. Yeah. Stop with the eyes. It was the eye was on. Board. It was not on my text. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because I've been thinking about that fear stuff, and it's just I was scared how you know it's a third string quarterback. And Hodges, just, yeah. And it's just like duck. Yeah, and and I'm not sure what you're saying other than acknowledging you know the guy's nickname. Is that what you're trying to convey? Um, I like his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> I like ducks. It's true. So. Fear. It's the only thing we have to fear. To paraphrase FDR. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Next game. <laughs> so that's it, right? I don't know. I, I feel like everyone's caught up to Minnesota. And and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of the Lions. I, there's just something about Stafford. Listen, obviously with the – you know, you think about it. These are the two quarterbacks that are stats guys. Right, we're not saying they do it on purpose, but their performance in big games never live up to their stats. Would we agree with that? Oh, like yeah. Season long. Yeah, Stafford, and that's recognized. Someone called him Stat Packer, Packford, or something. It was really funny the way they said it. Like Stat, it was Stat Packer, but it was. You know. Well, what's the book on Stafford? You bet on him and when he's playing losing teams and not on him to win when he's playing winning teams, right? In, in Minnesota, you know, there is that trend we were talking about in the Green Bay game 
You got the numbers? Or yeah, Matthew Stafford, career record against teams that finished with a winning record, 9-54. and 54. That's straight up, 9-54. and 54. And we would expect Minnesota to yes. have a winning record, though. Who knows? So I kind of like the under a little. I kind of feel like maybe these two quarter. you know, is this a big game? I, mean, I know it's 1 o'clock, though, so it's going against that. A lot of things. I'm probably not going to bet it. Here we go. Number one. Now, remember, we have the ability to red button you here for two for 500 because you decided you wanted this accommodation. You have it to delay your best bet. You make the case on the Green Bay Packers, the line in the contest, four and a half, which means the Packers are a half point better than the Raiders. Yeah, because Green Bay has a four-point home field advantage. This line is completely a mystery to me, similarly to last week when the Detroit line was a mystery. How can Oakland be only half a point worse than Green Bay? Green Bay is clearly an above-average team. And the Raiders are clearly, I don't think just to me, but to everyone, a below-average team. I cannot... Whoa, 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 whoa. You think everyone thinks the Raiders are below average? Most. Really? Most people think Where the Raiders Where do you have them in the power ranks? And look at BSPNs, if you don't mind. Yep. It's a good point. What do you mean a good point? What's a good point? That, I that your said, point was wrong? I said every, yes. I well, said I'm everyone. Not try- I'm not trying Oakland. to be mean. Oakland, I have 21. Okay, so below average. Yes. Who's around them? Denver. Who's 20, who's 19? Tw- or, I'm sorry, 20, 20. Denver 20, Pittsburgh 22. Hmm. You know what's funny? There are so many. It's like a weird middle between like 13 and like 25. I could see a lot of those going up or down 10 slots. 18. All right. Huh. Where do they have Green Bay? Yeah, it's an intro. Wow. Now, where do you got Green Bay? Sixth. So, wait a minute. The sixth team is playing number 20 what? 21. One. And they're saying the freight on that is a half a point. Mm. Yes. So, let's think of the things that could be otherwise. What could, other than just Green Bay is not near as good as you think. The Smith brothers are not the second coming of LT. Let's say that's the, potentially the case. <laughs> what is it otherwise? Is it the buy with Oakland, for example? Like, let's go through and tick through those. Yeah, so Oakland is in a unique scheduling situation. They're off of a buy. That's normally good. However, before the buy, Oakland traveled to Minneapolis. They went home, and they traveled out to Indianapolis, and they flew all the way to London and then they had oh, your modeling a lot of things. So they had a trip before Indy. That's fine. And then they had another trip to Indy. And then they they flew directly to London. Yes. And played one, the best game of the year for them. Mm, the Indy game might have been the best. I, I game. don't know. It's right there. Yeah, they played really well. Yeah. Go ahead. They won. What was the final in the Indy game? They won by seven. They. I mean, they dominated the Bears on every facet. And the Bears are probably better than Indy. Mm, they 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 almost lost the Bears game, and they had the Indy game more. They under almost control. lost the Bear game. What game were you watching? Oh, the Bears were right there. The Bears took oh, the lead. The, the, there was five minutes left, uh, and Oakland it, faked a maybe, punt. Maybe you know something. Little, I think if it came to 
the chance of losing the game, you're right. So I'm going to concede the point. Mm. I think that the, it was an impressive performance. Like what was going mm. on at the line of scrimmage surprised the happen. That I agree with. All right. So, okay, go ahead. So now the question is, is this a, a, a great scheduling spot for Oakland? Is it a sub-bar scheduling spot? Teams off back-to-back upset wins, and now they've got a week to rest up. And the question is, how will the Oakland Raiders respond with their time off? So, you, listen, we disagree on this one, and you're tiptoeing around it. Is you, but I know, like, so really, you spent all that time to say, I wonder how they're going to respond to the bye. What do you think? My initial thought, which you disagree with, I know, is that bad spot. Oakland back to back upset wins, and now they get a week of vacation. I don't know if they're going to remain focused. Okay, so. That seems different. So we can study that. What you're saying is you think if you do well before a buy, it causes you to struggle after the buy? Well, I think it's easy to go on vacation and, and not worry about When? Because when you do well? Similar to a real estate agent that went ahead and sold 14 houses right before they went on vacation, and then they could go and but celebrate. But this isn't vacation. I know you love vacation like more than anything. This isn't vacation. They have a week of rest. They're pra- I mean, it's like they're working out. They're, you know, each team does things differently on do they, you know, what they're doing. But in general, it's not for trips. It's to rest up. They're in the middle of the work year. You know, this little 16-week or 17-week period where they have games. You think they're all going off to Cabo? Yes, I do. I mean, the fact that OBJ did that. And it's we still are talking about it. Probably means it's not as common, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Brett, how do you think about I think it's going to be a wouldn't a team be energized, especially a I mean, John Gruden this, team? Yeah, what he's saying makes no sense. In fact, let me look it up when you're talking. All right. Uh, to you know, me, something first. Let's do this. Dave Asler. Bad news, Fez has the Raiders. That's bad. Which means for me, yeah, well, which means I have to bet you five hundred dollars on it because I proxy Dave because he or uh, what's the right way to say it? I'm Dave's Nevada representative, and I'm betting with my own money though all of Dave's picks whenever they disagree with anyone else because Dave's as good as any of you guys. He doesn't get the love because well he does amongst the pregame community, but out there in the cold world. But he's starting to. People are starting to get it. So let's hear why he likes the Raiders at this very short number. Sunday, the Raiders, plus six and a half over the Packers. First, the obvious, Green Bay's on a short week. Oakland is not. And that's after beating the Bears when not many gave them a chance. Don't look now, but if Denver beats Kansas City Thursday, Oakland, with a win, will lead the AFC West. Oakland's two losses were to a healthy Chiefs team at at Minnesota, so no bad ones. What quarterback has the highest completion percentage in the NFL? Derek Carr. What team has a higher yards per rushing attempt than the 49ers? Yup, the Raiders. What team is 29th in yards per rush allowed? The Packers. I don't care if Devontae Adams is back. Allison went out with a concussion Monday. Two guards. Two defensive backs, both questionable. They're too thin to beat a rested and grossly undervalued Raiders team by more than a touchdown. Give me the Raiders. That was a confident handicap. Yep. Now, here's where I think Dave has a hole. There's no way the Raiders are undervalued here, meaning directionally he's right. If this line, what did you, for the AP, what, I, I don't remember. What was your early line on this one? 
I'm going to have to look it up. I got it. Here it is, RJ. Here. Oh, I got it. I got it. Green Bay minus seven was my send out number to you. Okay. If Astler did that handicap at seven, I'd be like, take off the rubber band. How can it be this number? It's just a uh, amazing low number. What do you think, Brian? Call me square. I'm on Green Bay. I like the Packers. And, and here's what. They didn't get the cover with that funny line against oh, Detroit. Oh, man, you're going into Fezzik mode? I am. But I'm going to mention turnovers. Green Bay still won that game despite being minus three turnovers against the Lions. How often does that happen? Forget the spread. The teams actually win the game straight up when they're minus three turnovers. 10% of the time, straight up. They overcame that. Tells me we shouldn't downgrade Green Bay that much. Now, did you cut off because of the music? You did. I could tell you. Yeah. I'm not Fezzik. I shy away. <laughs> He'll talk louder. I just stop. I've been following Brad long enough. I know when he's going to wrap up a point, he wasn't wrapping up. Then. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm done. Fez. All right. I lean Bengals in this game and the Minshew magic. And I've been a Minshew fan. I do not like what I saw against the Saints. It wasn't just the Saints defense. Minshew was inaccurate, 14 for 29, missed receivers. And frankly, not only am I worried about Minshew, I'm worried about all the Jags. I'm not sure. This is unclear to me. The Jalen Ramsey trade. is it, Now, I get it. He's been a distraction. But it's also a clear signal that, that the Jags are sending to the team hey, we're building for the future, not necessarily for this year. And I personally don't think that that's a good thing. So I'm going to lean to the Bengals. Some people might say, because I thought when we were talking about this game beforehand, your main thought was that the removal of the distraction was a positive. I think that was that was my point. Okay, so make that point. Yeah, because, I mean, they've had this hanging over him. Will he play this week? What's the excuse this week for him? What's the injury? What's the, you know, the distraction, the kid factor that he had here? I think removing that from the locker room is a positive. And what were the chances he was going to He wanted out of Jacksonville. Yeah, but look, you wouldn't have taken That's true. six to one. That's you, true. Right, because so there was yeah. hope. There was real yeah, hope. Yeah, true. So I think the answer is... Based on when. I think this week, it's a negative. I think in two weeks, even, it's a part. They get the new normal's fine. We're doing what we're doing, and he's gone, and that's good. Now there is going to be a deflation, I think. Yep. That's my thought. Here's where there is in hope Cincinnati. And I know you guys cashed a ticket with, with Cincinnati last week. I'm here to tell you that you were fortunate. And let me say this the fact that I accepted that pick. Yeah is a sign of my respect for Fez. Ooh, good point. Well, Fez, since it's you. And I really didn't like another one. Did you, I mean, we're talking box scores. Did you see the box score, Baltimore-Cincinnati? I did. You you only lost by six, but in the box score, you got out game by 250 yards. Did you watch the game? Oh, my. Now Ooh. we're going past the box score yeah. when appropriate. Fair enough. No, let's hear it. Let's hear it. The truth is the box score doesn't tell the truth about how bad the Bengals actually were. The Bengals returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Then they got outgained by 300 yards for over the course of the game. They were not going to cover. RJ, I watched the final drive for the Bengals. 
it was nothing short of miraculous. The Bengals. So the score at this point was the Bengals were trailing by thirteen. All right. So, so the we Bengals were losing. weren't. We were losing. And when did we get the ball? We, 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 there's like three minutes left. So at that point, what's their chance of covering? About twenty uh, percent. Yeah, no, like thirty percent to get in the end zone. Uh, but but it went down. Because the Bengals faced a third and 24. Oh. At that point, it's about 8%, and there was a penalty against Baltimore. But wait, there's more. Later on in that same drive, a third and 19. And, oh. and finally, a fourth and 10. The cumulative oh, wow. parlay of converting those three separate unlikely events is literally like about 10% to the third. That's like one in a thousand. This goes to show you how getting disinvolved from the white noise, disengaging, I didn't see any of that. I just saw the final and just nodded. So, but isn't that the, I mean, here's the thing. If you could watch the game after, like, I know you make a massive amount in-game batting fest, so you can't. But I think the best move would be wait 24 hours and watch all the games on tape where you already accepted the result because otherwise just think about the swings you would have had there and to what end you won or you lost and over thousands of games, it's going to be like a spreadsheet. Are you 55% on your pick? Then you're going to win 55%. But that was a roller coaster. Oh my God. I would have been mad if you, I can't lie. That might've saved your job. (laughs) 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 Because (laughs) another stupid big dog, <laughs> you know what's funny? Fez brought in this sound clip, and I didn't fully understand why, but now I do. There was no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't used that since my Ohio State win, or, or I'm sorry, the uh, Ohio State lost in the bowl game or against the spread. Yeah, you won. We had like we were thousands on that, wasn't? Yeah, it? the winner of the whole. The cup. Yeah, but there was like a thousand bucks. Yeah, a thousand bucks on it. I had ten thousand. That was the difference between me being third and fourth place of the contest. You took a bad line too, if I remember right. Oh, our died. Yeah, I did. RJ. <laughs> no, in the contest, I thought. What do you mean? No, am I wrong? Okay. Oh. Yeah, I did. Just thinking, I was trying to. I was going meta game. I was. Oh, like, I nobody will have Ohio State. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? Yeah, I was crying that night. <laughs> <laughs> and then some. That that just showed. It wasn't the, and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't the $10,000 that bothered me. It was losing to RJ. It bothered me more than 10 Gs. Oh, that's the, sad. That's what I like. That's sad. That's what I no, like. No, it's not sad. That's truth, Fez. <laughs> Everyone doesn't yeah. worship at the altar of the almighty dollar like <laughs> that's you do. That's sick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what, our conclusion here is what? Nothing. Like, what? what's... You still lean Cincy. I'm passing. No, but no, you're not. You have a lean on Cincy on the sheet. Yes. So what was the rationale? It just anti-Jacksonville. Because you lost the game. With because you. of the Minshew. You're just mad after one game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you saw what he did with Van Fleet. At least that was a couple yeah, games. Yeah, it was. That was too bad. And weeks. there was a personal relationship. Yes. What do you think, Brad? I'm leaning Jacksonville. I mean, it wasn't just the last game for Cincinnati. This is a Bengals offense that hasn't scored an offensive touchdown in the first three quarters 
of three straight games. Three straight games. Wait, so the first three quarters. Okay. okay. First three quarters. So a lot of late scoring for them has made these finals look a lot more respectable. Even the Arizona game a couple weeks ba- ago. Back to our uh, seminal word here. All right, that's the wrong word. Back to our work that we've been doing, RJ, talking about. We. You've been talking about how if you take a look at a box score, you would like to weight the scoring and give more weight to the early scores versus the late well, scores, right? Well, I think it's more with the margin in the game. Because actually, the margin, it's a close yes. game at the end. That It's even more important, right? Close and late is one of the things that's a, a stat people use. I would love to say every yard that's gained when this game is within 10 points or 14, find the number, gets counted. And everything outside that range either way is half weight. That just that simple thing, I think, would help a lot. All of a sudden, those Atlanta Falcon stats that make them look like an average team aren't going to look nearly as good. Yet. And you know, the play-by-play data is available now, and that's the key to all of this. Is that where it's so easy to get the play-by-play? It's just right in the program, which I think is worth it. But I'm probably going to reach out to a few of the analytics guys I I know very very loosely. Chase Stewart's one of them, and just like go throw my ideas at them because they might say, "Well, that's been done over here." You know, they know the industry. I don't know the advanced analytics down to every decimal point like they do with what's out there. Though this year, I've been spending more time on that than ever. Do we? It feels like there's a reason the Bengals are getting outscored early. One, it is skewing the final, which is good for perception if you want to think the Bengals are overrated. Number two, are we sure this coach is competent? I don't think he is for the Bengals. It was one of those, you know, what, what's the pedigree again, Brad? I mean, there was the, you know, he did stay at the beach house of <laughs> yeah. Bay once, and then yeah. what else? That was it. I mean, no, I mean but a, he, he's yeah. coached other places. Let's pull it up. So if we're right that he maybe isn't an NFL-level head coach, doesn't that get exposed early where the game planning is more important and such? That makes a lot of sense. It does. And Zach Taylor, frankly, you know, he's a young guy. He's energetic and he looks good. But um, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Because I think it might bias people when they're hiring. They like like good looking guys tend to get hired sometimes without necessarily being qualified. I think I love Jimmy G. Yeah. (laughs) We got Uh, Rams quarterback coach 2018. Assistant wide receivers coach, 2017 Rams. Assistant wide receivers coach. Yes. You know what that means? Yeah. He's barely getting on the bus. Pretty much. Offensive coordinator. Well, you know, in the NFL, there's so many quality control people, but still. Yeah. Offensive coordinator, Cincinnati. Cincinnati Bearcats, not Bengals. That was 2016. All these jobs just one year, one and done. Which Don't- could be a, I mean, every move's up. Yeah. So. Nope. Dolphins offensive coordinator 2015. The Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. He was the offensive coordinator. And quarterback. Then he went to be OC for Cincinnati? Yeah. That's a drastic drop. Yes, it is. And then you're an assistant wide How many years was he? One year at the the Dolphins. He was the quarterback coach the two previous years. How's the coordinators? Uh, we don't have time to look it up now. Let's look at the pedigree of the coordinators. Anyone out there can do it for themselves. You know, Brad, this is the kind of thing you do a good job on. You want to tweet it? Yep, I will. It's at Brad Powers 7. Brad, then Powers, P-O-W-E-R-S 7. And let's commit by noon on Friday. You'll tweet out, 
hey, questions about the pedigree, the coordinators for the Bengals, because we're questioning the head coaches, chops, something like that, and give it out. Yep. And if so, if, if we find to be pessimistic, they're getting out-schemed by a drastic major. I think we look to play, if you do want to play against the Bengals, it might be first half. Mm. Right? I like it. You know, you know the Cincinnati home field, Steve. They're used to losing, but do you feel like there's more of a drop? I mean, in a way, Marvin Lewis, you know, obviously was popular with a lot of fans. What do you think of the crowd? I mean, like being at home might be not that much of an advantage. Yeah, only two points for home field, uh, minimal home edge for the Bengals. Next game. Oh, Rams we did with me. 49ers, my 49ers. Favored by 10 doubles on the road against the Redskins. Fez, you like the total. Brad, you... Oh, wait a minute. I can't believe that. How could this be? I have no idea. So you're each betting one total. Yeah. And it could go over or under. Yep. So that means, I don't know how many buys there are this week. There's 14 games. So it's 28 to 1. Yep. Do you, do you wonder, I mean, I know you said he couldn't get into your complex where your mansion is, but do you wonder, did he pay someone to put a camera somewhere? Like, what's going on? Or just both very good NFL handicappers. No, no, no. Brad's good, and, and again, he's impressing me lately. This just feels weird. You know, did you guys read each other's handicap yet? No, not at all. All right. So this will be interesting. Brad, you do it. Go one point at a time. And, okay. Fez, you can tell me if you agree with that or very specifically did you write it down. We'll see how much of a matchup there is. Go on. All right. Number one concern for me is this Washington team with a new head coach and Bill Callahan featuring more run then pass. To me, when you're running the football, the clock's chewing up a little bit more. To me, more prone to the under. That's step one of why I like the under in the San Fran slow Washington down, slow game. Down. Did not have that in my write-up. However, the Callahan direct quote, we spoke about it last week, was we got to go back to running the football. And we talked about how Adrian Peterson over was a uh, tempting prop bet as well. So this we discussed this. Washington is going to be more run-oriented last week on the pod. Second point for me is a San Francisco team. I can make a strong case this is their least important game that they've had. Keep in mind, this is a San Francisco team off a primetime performance against Cleveland, where they're going to obviously full playbook. Against the Rams, a division rival, where they wanted to put their thumb on the Rams and show them who really is the truly elite team in the division. In this instance, you're flying across the country early start time. To me, you just go in there. You're the far superior team. You don't do anything exotic offensively. You go in there, get the job done, and get the hell out of town. And to me, I I expect a more conservative game plan for the 49ers. That's reason number two for me. I don't expect a more conservative game plan. I just expect San Francisco to do their normal game plan, and that is to run the football. San Francisco runs the ball 57% of the time, number one in the NFL, and only two teams in the NFL run it more than 50% of the time. So think about it. The average NFL team runs the ball 40%. The Niners run it 57%. While the problem is, can Washington stop it? Well, of course they can stop it because of the injuries on the 49ers. Jusick, their um, great fullback, is out. 
Their best two, their two starting tackles are out. They have a swingman tackle that's injured. So if you're a team that's just running the ball and you don't have your fullback and you don't have your tackles, how are you going to be effective doing that? And that puts us on the under. One in a million, Brian. That what I can't lie. That was my greatest podcast moment last year when Brian had like six. It was like five for five. You yeah, guys matched up. We did the math. It was like one in a million. And like 30 seconds later, we had that song <laughs> bed going. That was awesome. <laughs> All right, continue. You done with your handicap? Well, here's something that we talked about uh, and didn't have this part of my handicap. But so that's not what we're in. Let me say my thing. Yeah, I'll let you say your Brad's thing. Brad's trying I, to defend. He's feeling defensive right now. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. What do you think? Do you think there's something going on here? Is it nefarious? I don't think so. Anything else? On no, the, nothing yeah. else. So you guys don't have anything. If you had to bet the side. If I had to bet the side, I'd bet Washington just because such a huge letdown spot for the Niners after getting that huge win against the Rams. And it's back to this idea. Or is this the first time they've been there? If it is, I don't think they let down as much. But this does feel like one potentially. Any final thoughts? Yeah, it does. I mean, and this is also an historic outlier. This is only the second time San Francisco's been laying doubles on the road since 1998. So even during all those hardball years? Even, that stunned me. I was like, ah. We'll just go back to the hardball years. No, only one time during the hardball years did they lay doubles on the road. He smells. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's kind of hard to smell and do your best. Mike, let's give Mike Lombardi again credit. He said, Jay Gruden, how good of a head coach? Not very good. But who was the offensive coordinator for the Redskins? Jay Gruden. Same guy. An elite coordinator by his assessment. So now you're removing mm. a coordinator that is elite. And who's, court, who's calling the plays now for Washington? What offense are they running? Should have had this last week. And I had Washington last week. Not good. I think it's fascinating. But it leads me to the under. If, if San Fran's flat... They're not going to get in a shootout with Washington. It feels like the offense is a little off. Jimmy G's out with a porn star, whatever's going on with him. I know you don't like that stuff, Fez. <laughs> what do you think? You know, looking at these scores, I know that the Dolphins have had no success stopping anyone all year long. In fact, the Dolphins have given up prior to this game 30 points in each and every game. And now all of a sudden, Washington only gets 17 points. You got to ask yourself, who's calling the plays for Washington? You know something? How's the market look here? I think we should make a bet. Let's. Like, how much can we get down on a total, Fez? At the best number, can we get two dimes down? Oh, absolutely. I mean, but at the best number, I don't want you and your crappy numbers because Fez has 29 outs, but. You know, it happens to be occasionally when you put in pieces with them. You don't get a very good. Well, well, you'll like this because the sharp books, some of the sharp books have 41, but Vegas has painted 41 and a half. All right. So it's going to be easy to get 41. 
it's going to be easy to get under 41, 41 and, and a half. half. Exactly. Okay. I mean, and as you know, I'm sure 41 is one of the most key numbers in the NFL. All right. Let's go two dimes. Like it. We'll figure it out. And we'll tweet that. You know, I'll tweet that ticket. It's about time I get a little credit. R.J. Bell has been pushing to the corner long enough from Fezzik. And I don't want to wait. You're going to be able to get that down by tomorrow morning? Oh, I'm. yeah, I'm, I'm stopping by the books tonight. All right. He's just going to pull out his two dimes, right? Into, here's the 2200, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Next game. Chargers, Titans. Titans by two, which means they're pretty much Tennessee not a great home field, right? Even teams. Wow, the Chargers have fallen. Fast. Yeah, this is the second leg of my teaser. I'm going to tease the Chargers up to plus eight. And I know it's a basic strategy teaser, but I got to tell you, RJ, when I see that total at 40, you don't see too many 40s out there anymore in the NFL. And because of that, it's an even stronger than normal basic strategy teaser. So I think rather strong. Yeah, and, and I think that's interesting, right? Instead of blindly playing them, not saying you always do that, but when aren't you playing the advantage teasers? When are you with more vigor? So this would be one of your favorites? Like of the of this year, if you had your top five teaser teams in given spots, would this be one of them? Yes, it would. Is there any oh. other advantages that we can kind of key this thing around? Like, you know, make two bets for your normal unit, but both of them are anchored by this one, and then the second one... Because, you know, the more I think about this, I, I think the Chargers are a high-variance team, right? I mean, I guess... Yeah, not, they've, I mean, they've lost as, as a favorite, you know, that... Yeah, I but mean, what I'm thinking, I guess, is... <sighs> yeah, but they're down 24 nothing last week to a third-string quarterback. Did you know that? It was 24 nothing Steelers at the end of three. I just knew I had another winner. Just, yeah, that's true. You just look at no, the... No, I watch... No, no, no. Uh, I, I obviously watch the Steelers yeah. games, but... <sighs> but what does that mean? That means they suck? Or that sounds square, right? It's one yeah, game. it does sound square. I just know this team's not very good. Yeah. But it feels like they might. I mean, we've been on the, and the Fez love the Chargers. I mean, if the, if the yards per play say so, Fezzy listens. I've been, I've been saying, how many years have we been saying that? Right? Mm-hmm. The Chargers are better than their stats. Or, or they're better than their record. Their stats are better. Okay, when's we going to see it? And, I mean, speaking of the Chargers, I think this goes all the way back to McCoy who Malinsky loved. I don't know. I think he's a coordinator somewhere, but I think there was a big drop-off with this coach. How would you rate this coach, Steve? Yeah, well well below average. Anthony Lynn has consistently made or had situations with all that talent when the Chargers were healthy where he got outcoached, most specifically go back to the AFC title game last year against the Patriots who totally schemed up an offense that the Chargers never adjusted to. Boy, that was just last year. That seems like a long time ago. That was one of my biggest bets of the year. New England was only three and a half against the Chargers. That was one of my biggest bets of the year. I mean, that was, oh, I mean, they had a good record, but give Belichick a week, an extra week against. And, and I'm sorry, that was in the divisional round of the playoffs, not the the AFC title. Yeah, 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 which was when he had to buy. You know, we set our one issue handicap on the Titans is the D line. So we'll go to the next game. But, Brad, can you do me a favor? Can you look at the um, the rush? Let's just look at the DVOA on the rush defense for specifically the Chargers. Okay, next game. Okay, and this will actually give the boys time to look up this number because 
I want we're looking at the rush defense against Tennessee, which we think is the key factor generally in the Titans games because they need to run. You know, we didn't mention Mariota benched. What do you do on that? Yeah, so I have no adjustment in quarterbacks, but it may change the Tennessee dynamics with Tannehill in because obviously Mariota better wheels than Tannehill, so Tennessee won't be able to run as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. How much better? Tannehill's a running quarterback, isn't he? I mean, that'd be interesting to, you know, look at the career. That shouldn't be just a second. Here's the thing. we got a commercial break coming up, so we're going to look at Tennessee against the rush. We're going to look at Tannehill. Let's just look at... uh. Yards per attempt, I think that's good enough because frequency, I guess let's see what the frequency is. If it's within 30% of each other, I want to look at yards per attempt with Tannehill. And, oh, by the way, most importantly, Fezzik's second potential best bet. He's already got bets galore against him on the first one. Will the second one pass mustard? All right, we got our numbers. Brad, rush defense, Chargers. Number 22 rush defense, DVOA. All right, so that's below average. Yep. I kind of like Tennessee there. I think that team's given up, but not a ton. Fez, what's our Mariota, Mariota situation? Mariota, 5.8 yards per rush. Tannehill, career 4.8. Pretty close. Well, a yard apart. Come on. Not that far apart. Yeah, I wouldn't be thinking my handicap is I don't think Tannehill can run, right? Last two full years, Tannehill's 4.35. So he's as he's gotten older, it's less effective. And and what's uh, Mariota's last two years? Uh, they're right at his career average. So he was all this handicapping you did that Mariota's banged up. So maybe he will have less propensity to run, and he'll also run less effectively. Volume and efficiency. All that crap apparently was meaningless. The numbers match his career. <laughs> Thus, all that analysis was meaningless. Yes. <laughs> You'd said it a lot. That's interesting. Because I, I would have guessed otherwise. He, did, he doesn't seem as spry as he was. You know, this year, he actually, for the first time, looked spry compared to a couple years before. Didn't, but the stats say he was just fine? Well, it didn't, it didn't translate into any success. Here we go. Fez, 0 for 1, trying to slip one past the goalie. In this case, it's get a pick into the Super Contest. No. Listen, what, I'm picking him at the end out of his stuff, Maddie's stuff. I don't wait my opinion more. In fact, I wait theirs more in a way because I want to be the tiebreaker if it needs to be. But if them two, like on the Jacksonville game, are on the same game, I just go with it. What do you got, Fast Seattle favored by, in the contest, three. Three. Think about Against this. the Ravens. Think about this. So we got a Seattle team with the biggest home field edge along with Green Bay in the NFL, worth four points. Saints are right in there. Saints are right in there. When they're winning. Yeah. Saints are three and a half. I I disagree with that, but go ahead. Okay, fair enough. You see how he's talking about his ratings like they came off the mountaintop? He's like, well, you're close. It's actually three and a half. It's like your number's three and a half. Forget my ratings. Let's just compare Seattle and Baltimore. You know what? I'm feeling generous tonight. Let's just say that – we're high on Baltimore. We're going to say Baltimore's as good as Seattle. You've been mentioning Seattle being maybe a little bit overrated. Well, what is your power rating? I have Seattle better. By how much? One point. All right? All right. But even if they weren't, even if these two teams were equivalent, that would make this line four with the home field for Seattle. And the line's three. So, 
And remember, coming off a three is worth 20. That's all the value you need. Exactly. So uh, Seattle looks ultra cheap to me here, and I want to use Seattle minus three as a best bet in the Super Contest. I don't know. I just I just think Harbaugh is a good coach. And I think against Cincinnati, they were taking that game seriously, but it just feels like they were getting ready. They got a buy on deck. The last seven times Harbaugh's been a dog, seven covers, seven straight. It's kind of that is that out. right? Yeah, the opposite of his brother. Yeah, the opposite. Very good. Opposite of his brother. So say that one more time. So the last seven times Baltimore's been an underdog. They've covered all seven times. Okay, and then what about the buy? You were saying, and they got a buy on deck. So to me, not only oh, but that's it, not part of the trend. No, not part of it's the trend. A, it's a sign yeah. of total focus. Total focus. So if you have Cincinnati there. before, yes. at home, yeah, right? misleading fight. I just said yeah, that, that's what they, I'm saying. So yeah, they, they should have well. killed them. Yep. What is making us down on Baltimore? That's the question. The Cleveland game, probably. The defense. Okay, so but Kansas City's good. I mean, is Baltimore's defense worse than Kansas City? Not even close. Come on. Mm-hmm. So what? What are the? So what is the? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is we had that concern about Baltimore maybe being overrated midseason because they'd be tricking people. I think the trick stopped. I was disappointed in that. They didn't really have that edge. But in a way, it validates their stats more. So if we just look at how they played against Cincy, they obviously play well. But let's say, okay, fine. The week before against Pittsburgh, now listen, let's be candid. Pittsburgh's D is starting to show, right? Did against the Bengals, again, fine. But against the Chargers, that was impressive. No one can debate that. So... What was the Ravens? Uh, I mean, let's look it up. What was the yards total against Pittsburgh? If you look at DVOA, it's actually saying Baltimore's defense isn't so bad. And you're saying what? They're two slots below Seattle in DVOA yep. when it comes to overall? Seattle seven, Baltimore's nine. And you're saying at three, that's fine. You might be right. There's just two. I mean, we have to pick five picks. I don't like this at all. But I guess I win either way because. If Seattle loses, I can strut my stuff about my anti-Seattle. And if they win, <laughs> ah, Baltimore's no good. <laughs> so let's do this. We're going to accept it as a best bet. But let's caveat this. If there's ever a pick that I'm inclined to m- move off of, it's going to be this one. So don't go hog and heavy, whatever that means. Next up, Philly, Cowboys. Cowboys at home, favored by the old three. Let's start there. Are we the... the are these equal teams? Fez, you, no way you could pass this game. What do you got? Let me turn to that page here, RJ. Uh, I've got all kinds of questions about the injury. I'm sorry, you start with the pick. I pass. I would, <laughs> I'll lean. I'll lean to oh, Philly. That's fine. Go ahead. Give I'll me. lean to Philly. And the big question about the injuries, let me outline them. So we know Dallas has a great O line. Is Collins and Smith, two other linemen who have been out, are they going to play? They're questionable. Dallas's wide receiver, Cooper, is he going to play? Say, you're unnaturally close to the mic, so just back out just a little bit. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. 
Uh, and then, of course, Philly, we've been talking about their injuries forever. Darby just got ruled out. He's been questionable forever. Now he's out already. Maddox is questionable. And that secondary for Philly has been bad all year long. So they've been getting torched in the secondary because of it. Their left tackle, Peters, for Philly, questionable, as is the running back, Sproles, and their wide receiver, Jackson. And i got to tell you, RJ, I need to know which one of these guys is going to play to be able to really formulate any kind of opinion. And And – amongst them, there's guys you think that could play. Oh, yes. Okay. And that, hey, listen, that's a fair statement because the reality is we're taping on Wednesday. And oftentimes you want to bet as early as you can, but if there's injuries, you can't. So, Brett. Yeah, I'm in a similar situation here. So you got five Dallas starters that are listed questionable. You have five Philadelphia starters listed as questionable. Uh, any type of edge that you can have there. But when push comes to shove, who are you going to trust in kind of a a must-win game. You're going to trust the Clapper with his job on the line, or are you going to trust Doug Peterson and company? To me, I'd rather have Doug Peterson, especially getting the three points here. A lean for Eagles on me. Yeah. But, I mean, under that theory, the handicap could apply to every game. Right? Every time, you know, you want to bet against Dallas every game, you want to, you know, I mean, I, I'm always, I mean, for leans, that's yeah. all you can do, right? Yeah. I kind of like Dallas here. I mean, lean, strong lean, because I just think Philadelphia is a bunch of theory at this point. Like, other than beating Green Bay, which we're starting to question them, what is Philly's big win? What is Philly's strong performance? I know uh, losing to Atlanta doesn't look so good right now. Atlanta's only win. Ooh, I'm serious. That five-point win against Washington's not looking so impressive either, is it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, nothing. They crushed the Jets team with Luke Falk. Which was a nice win. We were laying it there. But, I mean, it just strikes me, this Eagles team, as it's currently constituted, not good. But whatever Dallas is, are they really less than that? I don't think so. I'm leaning. I kind of, you know, to be honest, give me plus... I mean, even money's out there easy, right? Minus three even? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. So that makes me want. I think you'll be able to find a two and a half. Well, if I can find a two and a half, I'm betting. Yeah. Let's say that. I'm betting. The... Yeah. It's three in the contest? Yes. Isn't that interesting? Usually mm. it tells you. Because they're pretty good on the shades. All right. Monday night, Jets with Darnold. Patriots. Patriots favored by nine and a half. Fez. Give whoa, us... whoa, 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 whoa. I thought you can get two and a half in the contest. Then what? Then why, when I asked three times, you kept saying three? What do you mean? No, that's it, me. I'm bad. Yeah. I gave you the wrong number. I'm sorry. Oh. Well, I like Dallas there. Oh, yeah. You don't have to take responsibility for your fear betting against Philly. I like it. Yeah, so call that a like for me at two and a half for sure. Flat, you know, that's the theory. You could really like Philly at two and a half. This is going to be the game. This is going to be the game. You want to bet at two and a half? Nope. (laughs) All right. All right. So Jets, Patriots, give us your Darnold thinking because, man, that looked like a different team. It sure did. And before I saw the game last week, I had Luke Falk to Darnold. Seven-point difference if Darnold was 100%. And I questioned, is he going to be 100% coming back from the mono? And what I saw from Darnold – I accept the fact that Darnold is indeed Darnold. I was very impressed, and frankly, it looked like um, the 
when the Jets were playing, Dallas expected, oh, they're going to want to ease Darnold back in, and they brought their safeties up, and Darnold just went ahead and threw right over him. 92-yard bomb to Robbie Anderson from his own end zone. It looked like Darnold was in complete control, midseason form, very impressed. So I will go ahead and bump up the Jets based upon 100% Darnold. Okay, so what's your thoughts of him in this game? I like the Jets. I like the direction. So you're betting against Belichick. That's always the rub, isn't it? It is, because the line seems to lead us that way a lot for some crazy reason. Yes, and despite the lines being inflated seemingly on the Patriots, all the Patriots do is cover 60% of the time. But I don't like what I'm seeing out of the Patriots. Obviously, they've got their two offensive linemen that have been out for the last three weeks, and the Brady numbers just are not there. Now, part of that is that his wide receivers are compromised. Dorsett is out. Gordon's not 100%. And what we've seen from Tom Brady, year-to-date now, his QBR is 55. When I went back in, they started tabulating at a 2006. The lowest QBR I saw for for the year for Brady was a 68. So he's a good 13 points below year-to-date than what his year-to-date has been the lowest one over the past 13 years. The Let's face it, the Patriots are doing it with that elite defense that's only given up three touchdowns in six games, not with their offense. Let me do a little math, since you think uh, Darnold's worth seven points. So these two teams, we got a line from these two games just a few weeks ago. New England's at home hosting the Jets. Fox at quarterback for the Jets. New England, a 21-point favorite. You flip the home away, that means New England theoretically would be laying 15 here at the Jets. Three points, home field advantage for both teams. This line's nine and a half. I get it through key numbers 14 and 10, but still that's only saying a five and a half, six-point type of downgrade for, for well, hold on, upgrade. Though. Hold on. Yeah. If, it, if he's saying seven and it's, and it's six through two key numbers, then it's pretty a little bit more than seven. Well, it's five and a half through two oh, key numbers. Okay, still, it's yeah. still getting to seven. It's also going yeah. through 11 and 12 and well, 13, the, which, are, or which are garbage numbers, so those are going to offset. But there's no series of numbers that doesn't have garbage now. I mean, when you go up through your 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 precious advantage teasers, you're going through five, which isn't a particularly good number, right? So, I mean. Yeah. There was, my point being is that this is not an advantage teaser to go from 15 to nine. These are not a, a, a corridor of key numbers that we can discount the value of them. I was saying the opposite. I think when you go through those key numbers, it's very valuable. But then you were saying 11 isn't and 12 isn't. Well, all right, that was especially for late in the pod. That was excellent stuff from Brad and Feds. Really, what he's saying effectively is that your downgrade or upgrade in this case, downgrade to the backup third string, Falk. Your upgrade is a little bit more than the market, and thus it probably speaks to why you like the Jets. Is the market is saying you do that adjustment, this line should be a little bit higher. You like the dog, all right? Yes. All right, so. You- and I agree with Fez. I think just watching the Jets last week compared to how feeble that offense looked for three straight weeks with Falk compared to what they looked last week, to me, Darnold, I agree with Fez, much much more like a seven-point value as far as it's worth, not five, five and a half. Which is funny because we started out. Now, was this the game where you, the market thought it was four or the, the team, and this was a Simeon, and you thought it was two? Yes. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Yeah. I think that... I, I mean, we certainly haven't upgraded Darnold in that time, although he looked all right, right? I think it's been more about how bad Falk was. I mean, this was a Kaiser-level bad. Now, Kaiser was the plan starter. Yeah. 
I mean, has there been a quarterback this bad that played that many games? And, and I mean, it's been rare. I don't think so. He got sacked ten times against the Eagles, and that horrible secondary he could do. He could generate no offense. Yeah. So I mean, what about the Patriots' offense? Because a lot of stuff out there. Barnwell had some stuff about how bad it is. You know, where since that Bills game, this is not a good offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, the biggest concern I have is that Brady just doesn't seem to be feeling the pressure. He's been sacked seven times the last two games, and I've never seen this before where Tom Brady is getting hit and not even feeling it. He's the master at just stepping up and away from it. He's not even seeing guys coming. Uh, I don't... Is, he, is he wearing his bifocals? <laughs> Fez does have a point here. I mean, he's – you you look at Tom Brady. There's just plays that that are being made, specifically the Giants game where he gave up a fumble return touchdown. First off, Brady hardly ever fumbles, unlike Flipper <laughs> of Kyle Allen for Carolina. The, the and it was it wasn't like an elite pass rush where it, he's getting hit two three seconds. He has time in the pocket and he's still not feeling the pass rush. Listen, how 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 does it happen? You know, I meaning when you age and you hit the wall. In whatever endeavor it is, and some endeavors are more challenging, obviously, like the NFL, at a certain point, you're just not that same person, and then it usually happens pretty quick. In fact, I, I don't think anyone has ever quoted, <laughs> there's something about Rio, which was a movie that Michael Caine was in. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw it. Oh, I, wow. so, so this was as a child, you were yeah. enjoying the scenery. Yeah, it's like, an ex, not an exploitation, but a you know, a booby movie, whatever you want to call it, right? And there's a line that I've never forgotten where at one point, you know, it's a goofy movie too, but the guy is doing something with his eye to try to signal someone. And the other person says, what's wrong with your eye? He goes, I think I got to sty. And they go, just like that? You know, like, did it just come on? He goes, that's the way it happens, which is interesting because like something like a, like, it, like if you get something that you could see in your vision, one minute you... Don't see it. And the next minute you do. It's not like you kind of half see it because if you half see it, you're seeing it. That's the way it happened. Mm. Maybe that's the takeaway from Brady. This is the way it happens. Well, I've been predicting it for six years, right? Not with a bang, but a whimper. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And listen, we don't, I mean, to be honest, like sometimes we'll do these deeper handicaps. It's really about, we don't want to talk about the things that everyone's talking about, because what's the freaking point? And in these games, sometimes there's a bunch of stuff that someone or that we think is important that other people aren't talking about. Well, let's just take one more minute, Fez. Looking at this game, because this is Monday night, uh, the New England offensive line, what's our sense of how they're doing as the injuries pile up? Oh, they're getting worse. They, I mean, obviously, Wynn and Andrews are both out, and they've got some injuries on their tight ends as well, which I don't have all written down, so that's going to compromise their ability to block as well. And when it comes to the defense, on one hand, it's an all-timer. That's a narrative for the Pats. On the other hand, the strength of opposition offensively has been weak. You could make the case that it's the weakest six teams that I think any team has ever started with playing against in in the NFL. So are we sure New England isn't just like the eighth-best defense? Oh, I still think they're the best defense. Only, only. But three. what I'm saying is, 
you were going to go ahead about the touchdown. Well, the fact you've only given up three touchdowns. Think about it. If you're playing the worst team in the NFL, RJ, and you're the best defense, you're still supposed to give up more than one touchdown over the course of a game, and New England's given up a half. You know what causes me pause? This would be the last thing on this. Belichick is what? What does he try to prevent himself from being, and what does he want the other team to be in a way that he exploits? One-dimensional. Now, by definition, these bad offenses can't throw, right? Mm-hmm. Could any of them throw? No. Even Buffalo can't really can't throw effectively. So if there's any defensive mind you're going to go up against in which being one-dimensional is penalized, that he makes you pay for it the most, it's Belichick. So if there's ever a time weak teams offensively, which is another way of saying one-dimensional, and in the modern NFL, it's saying they can't pass. Because if you can only pass, you're still okay in the NFL today. right? You're one-dimensional. Yeah. So th- if there's ever been an era that not passing hurts you, it's now. If there's ever been a coach that you don't want to go against one-dimensional, it's Belichick. So maybe whatever adjustment we make for strength of schedule against opposing offenses, it's got to be bigger, maybe drastically so, against New England. Who expect? What do you, where did you rank New England's defense coming in the season? If you, I probably didn't officially do yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't have an official. You would have had ranking. like like what tenth? Yeah, probably out of the top. Actually, twelfth. All right. It's your belief that even though we see X number of games, that you got to trust what you think coming in more than what you see over a handful of games. Now, I get it. Extreme results. How is it that you've gone to clearly number one off of six games? Because. Uh, Right at the three-and-a-half-point game, after four games, I start trusting this year's data more than what my um, expectation was going So in. you go back 50% after three—you go under 50% after three games? Yes. Well, that's square. That feels like a- way too After much. four games, it's this current year's um, stats and the like are more significant. After four? Yes. That doesn't seem like enough. Like in baseball— could you imagine? Well, you don't throw the rest out. It's just that's the 50% no, but, tipping point. But what you're saying is all your assumptions in football, there are no games. In baseball, there's all these games. I get it. Those assumptions are stronger. But you're saying you throw out all your – or you throw out more than 50% of your assumptions after four games. Yes. After 100 games of baseball, you've got your assumptions. Then there's four games. Could you imagine dismissing 50% of them? No, but baseball is a completely different animal. Well, after 16, that's easy to say. After 16 games in football, I'm going to pretty much dismiss everything See, from the year before. I think that's a massive that's, mistake. It, yeah, you're, you're right. That's a misstatement. I, I, think, I think at 16, it might be half myself. Mm. But maybe what you're telling me is you're more of a data guy, and maybe that's what we need to fill things out with. Get a guy that can look at the, the, the teams as they're constituted and say how good they're going to be. Because I really believe every year, if you just replayed the same season in a time machine, everything, not that it all goes the same, but it begins with the same assumption, same player, same point in their lives. How similar is it going to be? I don't think it's very similar at all. Meaning I think the very best teams make the playoffs. I think maybe a third of the playoff teams, if not even 40%, up to half, are going to be different. Right? Because it's 8-8 eight and eight versus 10-6. and six. It's two plays oftentimes. Now, you might be saying, well, I'm not just looking at the final. I'm looking at the play. Uh, literally 1,000 th- plays or whatever. Yeah, that's more interesting. So the overall stats may well be mm-hmm. similar, but the, the Detroit Lions could be 5-0 and or 0-5 right now. That's a great point. And thus it kind of invalidates if you're looking at it 
at just the wins. I know you're mm-hmm. not, but it really shows how much you got to emphasize the plays. But then is there any analytics that do that properly? I, I, I like football outsiders, but what I'm saying is we know that we're imperfect on that. Because if, if otherwise we could just bet football outsiders all sure. day. No one's doing that. Meaning whatever the differences are. And how do you grade a week one performance by New England against Pittsburgh when Big Ben, you know, wasn't himself? I mean, how impressive or was is that? he? Was he himself? We don't know. New England. Or is the new, at his age, maybe the new self, even if he was healthy, wasn't just that good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, a, it's not easy. Last game. That was the last no. game. No. Oh, really? had This was going to be his best bet. Oh, okay. But his numbers, Got which, it. again, I agree with him 100% here. You like the Bears at market, 3 minus 20. You don't like them at 3.5 as they are in the contest. But the market's 320. Let's talk about it there. Yeah, and this is all about— This the- was going to be your best. In fact, I mean, listen, there's no way— And this is all about the situational spot for the Bears. Last time we saw the Bears, two weeks ago, they were in London. They were a a six-and-a-half to seven-point favorite. And frankly, they laid an egg. They played poorly. They lost to the Raiders. So now they've had two weeks to think about that upset loss to um, focus in on this on this game. And because of that, I think it's a very solid situational spot for a Bears team that should be fresh now. Let's contrast that with New Orleans. Teddy Bridgewater and company have found a way to win their last four games. All four of those. Found a way. They've won the last four. They've that's, won. That's editorialized. They've won the last four. And all four of those wins were by one score or less. Was it, What was the Tampa win? Seven. They won by seven. That one maybe all right. You know what? We'll throw that out. They, 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 blew they out, had that game. They and blew out Tampa, and they had three close games. So they, they had a nice, clean win again. They had a nice, clean win. So bottom line, in terms of energy, I'm going to make the case that this strongly favors the Bears with the bye week versus a team that's had four games that were competitive and with four so wins this for the fatigue, Is this a fatigue issue, or is this uh they're going to be in a letdown spot. I get the, the fatigue, Bears. Fatigue. Second straight road game. All right. They were at Jacksonville. Yes. So with your precious numbers, how do we account for the fact that the Saints are just winning? At what point do we say, like, anyone that has any common sense, that there's something about this team that's coalesced around whatever? Is it Breeze's absence? They want to be good for when he comes back. I don't know. But how do you – I haven't heard anything that addresses that. Is it pure luck? Has this all been luck? No. Then can maybe spend a little time on that. The defense has played extremely well. Let's talk about the Dallas game because that was really the signature win, right? So they beat Dallas by two. They do get fortunate. They win the turnovers by two. And, frankly, Teddy Bridgewater makes some what looks to be rookie type of mistakes that could have cost him the game, but the Saints defense – So what were those mistakes? He took uh, when the Saints were trying to run out the clock. He took they they were in field goal range, and he took a sack 
that took them out of field goal range with about a minute and a half to play, so they had to punt. And so Dallas had an opportunity to come down the field and get a game-winning field goal. But they didn't. But they didn't because so the Saints— what is it? So, the, so Teddy Bridgewater made a mistake. Yes. They still won the game. Because the Saints' defense has so overachieved expectations. Okay. That's the defense they have coming into this game, right? Yes. So if it's coming from the offense, if it's coming from the defense, it's still how good they are. So you're saying this line's cheap, which means the Bears are better. Do you think that? I have the Bears slightly better, yes. Okay. Now— how I'm interested if you would take the Saints versus the four teams they beat and take the final score and compare it to what you think the final score should have been based on your power ratings. Did they exceed the final score any of those four times or did they exceed your projections with the final in all four games? Coincidence, though. Or could it be your ratings are off? It's possible my ratings. are. Off. I know it's possible. I was being ironic, or not ironic. I was being mm, sardonic when I said it's impossible. I'll look that one up. So I'm asking seriously, though. Like, at what point are you going to say you're not giving the Saints enough credit? Because at some point they're going to not cover. So you, mm-hmm. you're going to be there. You might be broke, but you're going to be there. You won't be broke, but so like I, I have to hear you acknowledge the mistake before I think you've corrected it. Or do you think you've made a mistake? I don't think I've made a mistake. You've been right all four times you wanted to fade the Saints. Well, I didn't want to fade them in the Dallas game necessarily. Let's just say this. You haven't been giving them – well, we had them in the Super Contest. Yes. And you were just so resistant. Show me the text. Because what I remember is you liked it. We went back and forth on the pod in different places – and in the end, you said, you know, I hear you. And then on Friday night when we're going back and forth, if you even put up a token resistance, I'd be shocked. So let's do this. Let's talk to Brad as he's mum- trying to get bumbling through to get his phone open. <laughs> do you need help getting your phone open? I got it. What do you think, Brad? I'm actually leaning toward the Saints here. I'm tired of losing yeah, against seriously. Bridgewater. Not only has he covered four in a row here, but... You just go throughout his entire career. He's twenty-seven and seven against the spread as a starter. I know a lot of that benefit of the doubt because Mike Zimmer was his head coach in Minnesota, but that's a good sign. I mean, I'm just. And what makes me think that Chicago can can cover? I mean, I got I poss I have the better quarterback here in Teddy Bridgewater. That's over no matter it's still that's an interesting. No, no matter who starts for Chicago, I have the better quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, and I have the better head coach. And I, I mean, and I get it. The Bears have a slightly better defense. I think What's, you listen to too much Colin. It's like I've true. never understood. Do all we got to do is take the coaching rating? That's true. I guess that's a default when you don't have much. But when you're in the game, yes. I just it's think just it's hard mean. to explain it in a weird way. The Saints go against everything we believe. Yeah. And I believe there's more than to what we believe. Like I think that what we believe is a majority, as Vegas guys, if it's done right, of the rationale. But I also think it's not all of it. And it just, at some point, just like with Belichick, where he's better than the numbers, and I know it's a small sample, it just feels wrong that we could keep acting like this. Saying, oh, no, nothing, Steve? You clearly outlined the plays that we should make, and it, I had no objection. Exactly. That's called an acquiesce. You're implicitly, you implicitly bought in. We had an implied contract on Dallas against the Saints, and I was bought in. Yes. Implied contract? 
I don't know about that. I, I, I know <laughs> that I always let you object to any game. You do. And you listen to me. I, well, at least take and it I seriously. And I did not object. So you've gone against him every game. Yes. But mm. you're not tired of it. That's a good point. 0-3. Oh, Give me more. Dallas, three? Tampa Bay, Jacksonville. Is it three or four? Was the Seattle? I don't think I... Oh, come on. You had to have them. I don't even remember. <laughs> it takes guts climbing back in that ring knowing you're going to take a beating. But you're sticking to it, huh? I am. Now, you know what's interesting to close the pod here? Your Green Bay and Chicago picks seem to be inversely correlated. What's the assumption? Is is Oakland really good? And thus we excuse uh, the Chicago game? Or is Oakland bad, which makes Chicago look worse? Which one is it? I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no better way to end the pod than that. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.